0: Welcome to Live Vedanta, a podcast where we explore simple living and high thinking. Each week, we join Vivek Gupta as he offers insights on bringing the divine into the daily. Vivekji has experienced much of what the world has to offer, whether it is attending an elite business school or traveling to almost 50 countries. However, tired with the inconsistent and incomplete peace associated with these pursuits, he decided to turn his journey within. Over the last decade Vivekchi has shared his observations on the signs of independent joy with communities across North America and beyond. Nobility is powerful. Surrounding ourselves with people who are noble leads to positive inner transformation. In this episode Vivekji explains how this happens naturally and shares his personal experiences.
1: false. We'll begin with a quick survey. How many of you would describe yourself as a hard worker? By a show of hands, how many of you are hard workers? Okay. How many of you believe you're a smart worker? You don't just work hard, you work smart also. (laughs) Okay. How many of you feel that something is missing in your life? That there's still a sense of incompleteness? We're all working hard. You may not have put your hand up, but you had a long day today. You barely made it to Satsang. We all work smart, too. I know a lot of you. You have multiple degrees whether they're legitimate or not is different, but you have multiple degrees. But That sense of what next isn't going away with our working hard and working smart. And this is not new. In Srimad Bhagavatam, Vidura, that is Raja Dhritarashtra's brother, he goes on endless yatras during his lifetime and he has a conversation with Rishi Maitri saying, in my travels I have observed that everyone is trying to bring in happiness into their lives. Others are trying to push out sadness from their lives but neither of these strategies is working, people are finding themselves more and more and more stuck. How are we any different? We're trying to bring in sukkah. We're trying to push out dukkha, But we feel more stuck. And we're getting older doing it too. Today my brother-in-law and sister and their daughter came. And my niece is about to turn two years old and... We remember when she was just born. I thought only old people felt that years disappear. But this is, I think, a lot of our experiences now. That Years, we're entering new decades now also. Chinmaya gari. If this literal meaning can be expanded to an implied meaning, implied meaning Shinmaya means knowledge. Setu means bridge. But if you think of anyone who thinks in bridges, they must be a visionary, no? Connecting geographical places, connecting people. Knowledge gets expressed as vision. And Kari means doer, builder, actor. Vision gets expressed as attitude knowledge, vision, attitude. That is who a is. someone who is trying to lift their attitude. The working smart is not working smart in a secular way with more degrees, but working smart with a with a sacred sentiment, with studying the scriptures then that vision and attitude is so different. One doesn't take for granted, rather one feels grateful. That is the privilege we all have, being the demographic we are. And we're studying how to love more. How to love ourselves more, how to love our families more, our friends more. If you can think of a relationship where there's a lack of love, what what is the point of that relationship? It's meaningless. And if you can think of a relationship where there is love, as simple as siblings, or one's parents and oneself, there's so much meaning there. We remember those relationships all the time. How to bring more love into our lives? Last month, we studied an article from Dada Vaswani entitled The Simple Way of Love. This is the seventh article in Embracing Love. And what Dada Vaswani Ji shares is to feel that God loves us. Again, I'm trying to make this very relevant to all of us. When you're in a relationship where you feel someone doesn't love you, that someone doesn't respect you, you're always walking on eggshells in such a relationship. It's bad for your confidence, yes? We should feel that God loves us. And this is not a hallucination, this is the truth. Until we can trust this, let's start. To just feel that like our parents love us, our original parent loves us. Dada Vaswani also shares for us to feel like we're all organisms, we're all cells in the body of God. In America, I think there's a census that's going to be released soon. Everyone's talking about that right now. Every American is part of the body of America. And Canadians, we're aliens. We, we enter that ecosystem and, and we harm it and we're rejected by this ecosystem. But every American is part of that body, right? Every country in North America is part of the North American body. If we can keep on lifting our vision, then every one of us is a cell in God's body. And this is the truth, too. In Srimad-Bhagavatam, in such detail, this is shared. Dada Vaswaniji also shares that we should feel those in our lives are God. When Swami Tapovanam and Swami Chinmayananda would write letters to people, what would be one of their opening lines? How would they address people? Does anyone know? Blessed self. So who are they writing to? They're writing to themselves, isn't it? When someone of that caliber says blessed self, do you think they're doing that just for fun? Or they're doing that casually? They know that we are God. We don't. So they're sharing openly. This is who you are. So for us to try to do the same is to share that others are God. To share that others are greater than they think they are. These are simple ways to bring in more love into our lives. Then we studied an article called Cultivating Love Divine. And this is by Swami Chinmayananda. And Gurudev's main point is Noble thoughts plus hard work is How you cultivate love. Noble thoughts plus hard work. Noble thoughts is what I described knowledge, vision, attitude, and then hard work means practicing that. It's one matter to say that patience is a virtue, but then trying to be patient is very different. It's hard work. It's almost like the noble thoughts are easier than implementing this, that hard work. We continue. We're now on the ninth article by Swami Jyotir Mayananda. How many of you have heard of Swamiji's name before? Yes, he's quite established, quite popular, based out of Miami. And this article is entitled, The Glory of Satsang. And this is one of the best articles in this Mananam series thus far. And I know you've all read it so we can just sit quietly and just review it in our minds. (laughs) But in case you haven't, I suppose I should share some simple insights. Back in the day, before the YouTube, before Facebook Live, before Zoom communications, when people lived in rural environments, when people lived in villages, they used to organize satsangs. And these satsangs were very comprehensive in the sense that it was a celebration. There would be singing. There would be dancing. This is in an Indian context, so there would be a whole lot of eating, correct? Pre-satsang meal, post-satsang meal, prasad. (laughs) So the whole village was involved in this satsang, and it brought out the best In people. And there's a deep insight that Swamiji shares. Rare is the individual who will elevate their thoughts when they're alone. When they're by themselves. What do we call such a personality that when they're with people, they're so noble. But when they're by themselves in their room, that ignobility starts to come out. Such personalities are? Closet personalities, no. that outside I'm like this, inside I'm actually like this. So that's why this this sense of community is important. When these villagers would get together, they would feel each other's thoughts. The author shares how our thoughts are contagious. When we have noble thoughts, which is encouraged in satsang, we invoke not just the noble thoughts around us, but even the noble thoughts of masters who are not present physically, but are present in a subtle way. So, the author gives the example of Rishi Vashishta, that when someone is studying Yoga Vashishta, that these words, they're powerful. They're infused with the energy, with the peace of Rishi Vashishta. So wherever this satsang is happening about Yoga Vashishta, Rishi Vashishta is there too. We've heard that wherever Kata happens, who's present? Hanumanji. Yes. So our thoughts are very powerful to invoke to invoke this subtle peace and to evoke cooperation. When someone is being hostile or harsh to you and you let it go, you you dismiss it, you keep being positive and cheerful, eventually their hostility goes away. Their harshness goes away. Yes, they may not talk to you for some time, but... At least they're not being pushing you back. There's a sense of cooperation that you created. You evoke that in that individual. The author shares the sense of cooperation is like multiple countries and multiple organizations coming together to develop a space program, to get a rocket off the earth. It can't be one person. It can't be one organization. It requires that many people to um, take this entity into another dimension. The same goes with us. When people are in satsang, the best in them is brought out. And it's not just about large groups of people, because we all go to university, or did go to university. Big classes with 500 people, 50,000 people in the school. We all have, are <clears throat> invoking these degrees, but is that peace there? Satsang is different. When we are in satsang, impressions are left on our subconscious and unconscious bodies, our subconscious and unconscious personality. These noble words, they're shared by someone's mouth. Noble songs, they're heard by our ears. They're registered by the brain, but the impression is left on the mind. And whatever the mind does, that leaves an impression on the ego. So the subconscious, the unconscious, examples of kids are given. The kids may not understand what's being shared in a certain satsang, in a certain discourse, but it is leaving an impression. That seed is being put into the soil, and when that impact will be felt, it's not for us to understand that fully, but it will be felt. Yes? Many of you would have been part of Chinmai Mission before you even knew you were part of Chinmai Mission. Yes. And here you are, decades later, in so many courses, engaged in so much of service. It leaves an impact. Swami Tej always shared that satsang is infallible. Did I pronounce that correctly? Infallible. That it, it's never in vain. It will always work. We don't understand it. We may have a certain timeline. That doesn't mean that that um, is impotent. It's not not according to our understanding and our our timeline. It is infallible. The author gives the example of Mahatma Gandhi also. That even in the most troubling times in the freedom fight, that Mahatma Gandhi used to organize satsangs. Before meetings, before rallies, there would be a focus on bringing people together to lift their minds up. That politics should serve spirituality, not the other way around. Which is what's happening right now, correct? It's spirituality is a servant to politics. It shouldn't be like that. We've seen what Mahatma Gandhi has done to oppression. Now He's brought out that freedom in people, in countries. Not just India um, was freed in 1947. Many countries were freed. They, re- they realized that they could do it too. In satsang the scriptures come alive. And this is such an important point for all of us who often get lost in our intellectual societies, our intellectual workplaces, our intellectual discussions, that we become masters of theory but are weak in application. Ramayana, Mahabharata, this all becomes real in satsang. And Swamiji finishes this article with a shloka from Bhajagovindam. What shloka of Bhajagovindam shares the importance of satsang. What number? Or you can just tell me the line. Satsangatve, nissangatva. Being in satsang leads to nissangatva. Nissangatva means independence. It means detachment from, not the world, but worldly values. Some people are scared of satsang because they think they'll become weirdos. That they won't know how to interact with people. They won't know how to make money. That doesn't happen. What happens is that we become independent of worldly values like competing all the time, grinding all the time, etc., etc., etc. This is all shared in this simple article on the glory of satsang. The 10th article is entitled The Power of Satsang by Swami Chinmayananda. And this is, I think, the shortest and funniest article that we've read so far. Did any of you read this 10th article? (laughs) It's just a story. It's just a three-page story. And I'm not going to even tell you this story because you have to read it in how Swamiji shares this but there's a possibility you won't despite me telling you that it's so funny that it's so short that you should do it so I'll tell you in summary what happens a baby bird dies and becomes a baby cow a baby cow dies and becomes a baby horse a baby horse dies and becomes a baby prince and Rishi Asks this baby prince, what is the power of satsang? And this baby prince laughs and says, When you saw me as a baby bird, I died and I evolved to become a baby cow. And you saw me again and I died and evolved to become a baby horse. And you saw me again and I died and I became a baby prince just by seeing Rishinarada. And we all know that birds and cows and horses cannot be enlightened. Only humans can. That's the power of satsang, sangha association with sadhus, those who have dedicated their lives to nobility. So please, go through this story. And there's not more to say about this, so I'll share a couple of my personal experiences about satsang at the ashram. Many of you have been to Sandipani. You've been around when a Vedanta course is happening. Our days, our last class ends at 8, dinner starts at 8.30, finishes at 9.30, and you've been up since 3.30, 4 o'clock AM. So at 9.30 p.m., 10 p.m., all you want to do is be horizontal with your eyes closed. Because Guruji Swami Teja was teaching our course, lots of other teachers would come for meetings to meet Guruji, etc. And uh, teachers like to teach. So they would have satsangs in their rooms at 10 o'clock at night. And I'm someone who values my alone time. I prefer not to be with people than to be with people. I would stop eating dinner so I didn't have to be with people more. So I can be in the room by myself more. So I would not attend these satsangs until one of my batchmates had told me, You should never miss an opportunity for satsang because you don't know if this chance will come again. You being by yourself in your room will come again and again and again. The ashram is jail. It it can't be otherwise. (laughs) But this teacher, this message may not. And he said this. We weren't even so close, but he said it. And it left such an impact on me that I never complained about being physically tired or that we have lots to do. I would start attending those satsangs. He was right. Who cares if I sleep half an hour less or I have to be with people for an hour or more? When everything I described earlier, courtesy of Swami Jyotir Mayananda, is true. One more personal experience about satsang in the ashram. We had just finished our Vishnu Sasranama class. It was at the Mandir that day. And it was the middle of the day. Lunch was about to begin and I was walking back from the Mandir to Anakshetra, prior to the course, I had heard of the word Moksha, Enlightenment. And after this particular chanting of Vishnu Sasranama, I realized that that's the only purpose why I'm here and why anyone is here. And that the route to Enlightenment is satsang. So all one has to do is stay on course. All one has to do is follow satsang and one will be assured of enlightenment. So all that our masters are sharing, not to be taken lightly, this is infallible.
0: If you enjoyed what you heard or want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at facebook.com/cmniagara. For those on the journey of self-development, Chinmaya Mission Niagara provides a community forum for seekers to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.